Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation? <laughs> Welcome to another episode, uh, 0.9 seconds after the last one of Surviving the Survivor. This is the podcast that promises to bring you uh, the very best guests in all of true crime. We wanted to get reaction to... Uh, lead counsel for both Donna Adelson and Charlie Adelson's Daniel Rashbaum interview that we just completed literally fractions of seconds ago and best guess here to help us do that. How we're going to do it, uh, the COE was trying to explain to me in the half second I had in between shows, but uh, I didn't fully understand what she had to say. Um, R. Timothy Jansen. He is a partner in the firm Jansen and Davis. He's handled complex civil administrative criminal litigation, uh, first as chief trial counsel for the Secretary of State of Florida. Uh, and then he also was uh, five years as a federal prosecutor. He knows Tallahassee the way Jared Ross knows Tallahassee, I guess. Jared Ross is a high school acquaintance of Charlie Adelson, having graduated with him back in 1995. He was a longtime friend of Danny Markell and Wendy Adelson. Jared is a two-time graduate of Florida State University, having earned both his bachelor's and juris doctorate, a.k.a. law degree from FSU. He currently resides in Tallahassee. He's been there almost 30 years, I think, and he's an attorney and lobbyist. And most importantly, he is from uh, New Jersey. Uh, again, we wanted to get reaction. Uh, Disney nerd, I'll take a lot of cool comments here. Oh, my God, that interview was very intense and amazing. Again, I want to um, just give a huge shout out to uh, everyone that helped me um, kind of put this together um, rundown wise, as we say in TV, in terms of the types of questions and the order. Uh, the COE always by my side helping out. Space Coast on the West Coast is a wizard with all things editing. Steve Cohen, of course, booking a lot of these best guests, as you see right here. And uh, the mods can't do this without the mods. Uh, the mods step in, in in so many ways. It's hard to explain. Tim Jansen, um, I assume you just watched that interview with lead counsel Daniel Rashbaum. Uh, of course, Charlie Adelson convicted, sentenced to life in prison. And now he will be representing Don Adelson. He made it clear that waivers were signed. Um, what do you think of what he had to say? Well, it's interesting. Um, I like Dan. I think Dan's a really good lawyer. Um, I still question why he went public on a trial that is pending. I, I know there are bar rules against uh, speaking publicly about a case. Uh, I know he mentioned that Georgia went on shows, but I think Georgia went on shows after the trial as there wasn't a trial pending. Uh, but, but saying that, uh, I understand, um, and, and you listen to what, what Dan had to say, he was complaining about these podcasts and people forming opinions and that they could never be jurors because they're, they're biased. But yet he came on here for what purpose? Was his purpose to make us unbiased? Was his purpose to answer questions? Was his purpose to try to make Donna look better? I, I think it was a combination of all that because some questions obviously he couldn't talk. But I think on some areas, he then did open up and talk about facts of the case that were favorable or were favorable to his defense. So you don't see it very often that a lawyer would go public with a public trial coming up. Um, I give him credit because he's a smart guy. 
there's some things that I, I made some notes that I think um, are questionable, um, are inconsistent with what the facts and the evidence will be. Um, but that was interesting. And I think some of the, some of the people had some great questions, great questions. And you could see a couple of times Dan stumbled and um, he got flushed on one question where he had to read, read in a, a re- response. Um, and, you know, whenever you have to get an ethics opinion, you know, you got an issue. You know, you got an issue when you have to consult with an ex- ethics lawyer how to respond. So uh, I'm not sure what Dan's goal was, but I think um, it certainly was entertaining to the the audience. And we'll get back to some of your notes, Tim, and uh, what you've done prior to high-profile cases. Uh, 1776 daughter, Jared, uh, obviously want your thoughts. She's asking, did Rashbaum achieve his PR mission? Uh, what say you and what say you about uh, what he had to say? Well, a couple things. Uh, no, I don't think he achieved his mission because I doubt anybody's mind changed <clears throat> to Tim's point. You know, why was he on here? It wasn't to make us unbiased. It was to try and get his bias for his client. Um, so I, I don't think that many minds, if any, were changed. Uh, the one thing I do want to say, I, I've read a lot of the comments and I saw people post on, on your social media uh, before you interviewed him about, I can't believe Joel's letting him on a show. I can't believe he's giving him a platform. Uh, you know, I disagree with those comments and, and I wanted to say it publicly uh, because you're doing your job as a journalist. You know, you've been telling one side of the story and and in my opinion, and yes, I am biased. Everyone knows it. They've heard me on here a couple of times now. You're telling the right side of the story, but it's only the right thing to do to let him, if he's willing to come on and tell his side of the story. So to those that think Joel is doing a disservice to the Markells or to anyone else. And, and again, I think everybody here knows, you know, where I fall on the side of this case I don't think that that's the case, Joel. I think letting him on uh, was good. My my biggest concern, and you know it, because we we you know I told you and and I've told Steve this is make sure you ask the tough questions, and I think you did. Uh, I think you pushed back on him several times, which was uh, good to see. So to you know that's a long way of answering that short question of whether he achieved his PR goal. Uh, no, he did not, and I just appreciate the fact that you you held his feet to the fire and you did ask. Uh, some pretty tough questions of him. And, and I appreciate you uh, saying that. And for full disclosure, I, you know, I bounce some ideas off of Jared who's a very smart uh, legal mind and knows the case and knows uh, Danny may rest in peace and Wendy and obviously went to high school with Charlie. So it means a lot coming from Jared, but I just want to make a quick point myself about that. So uh, a couple things I consulted with uh, not, not like uh, to go over editorial stuff really, but consulted with a, Markell's about whether they'd be okay with me doing this. Now, if I was Dateline, who's going to have Daniel Rashbaum on, uh, they would never do that. And if I was, um, you know, back in traditional media, I wouldn't do that. But this is what I consider to be advocacy journalism. But uh, he is the lead counsel in not one, but soon to be two very high profile cases. And I just don't know how you can rationalize. And, and I'll get hate mail, and that's fine. I just don't know how you can rationalize not interviewing an attorney um, who is leading both cases on the side of the defense for two high-profile cases, especially when he approached you and offered to do it. Uh, It would be silly not to do it. So um, that was my decision-making there. Uh, From Vicky, 
wow, was he using your show as a sounding board for his thoughts on his defense strategy for Donna? If so, he should rethink. I'll be honest. I have to go back and watch. It's all a blur. I know he had a read at one point. I have no idea uh, when that was. I have my notes in front of me, so I have to look at it. But it was it was when you asked him about whether he consulted with Donna about fleeing. Oh yeah, uh, you know that's uh, Jared. I mean that's uh, that's a dicey situation for him, isn't it? I, I think so. Um, she clearly says on that tape that she talked to Dan. And he said, with everything going on up there, I don't know if you'll make it out. Um, so, I, you know, Tim, you may be able to answer this better than I could on whether or not there, there may be some sort of uh, violation of the, the code of professional conduct. But I'm, I don't think you now he didn't take any act in furtherance of her actually fleeing. But you're, you're telling your client you may want to get to the airport. Yeah, Tim, Tim, break that down for us, because uh, I was going to say we're not attorneys, but I'm the only dumb dumb that didn't go to law school. Uh, you or know, smart he's, one. <laughs> he's uh, you know, he's on that tape literally or Don is on that tape saying that Dan basically said it's time to hightail it out of there. Um, and I think I asked the question, could he potentially be called by the state as a witness? I mean, where does this all lead this part of the, the case? Well, that's a sticky issue. Um, if you know your client has an, a warrant for their arrest, you can't do anything to encourage them to flee as an officer of the court. Now, you have to take this in totality of circumstances. Does anybody know this case more than Dan? Probably so. Did Dan see and hear everything in the trial? Did Dan see all the evidence against Donna in the trial? Did, Don, did Dan see... Um, Georgia stand say, stay tuned to say the investigation still going. When did that conversation take place? Did Dan have reason to believe she was going to be charged? Did he give her information where to go that didn't have extradition? We don't know. If he didn't violate the letter of the law and, and, and violate his ethics, it sure makes gives a bad appearance of him as a lawyer instructing someone to leave even if they didn't technically had charges at the time so here's the problem does the defense call him as a witness to explain what he said to her so it doesn't look like she was fleeing does the state call her call him as a witness to explain his conduct because maybe it may not be privileged or third does the court on its own Move to recuse him because if that tape is coming in, which I believe they're going to play, does it give a negative inference to the defendant that would penalize their defense with that lawyer representing them? Because you don't want something coming back on appeal that it looks like the lawyer did something bad and it's going to be a negative influence to the jury. There are a lot of combination of things there that's problematic. Now, did he do anything? Who knows what he told her and what she said? He may have told her exactly right, but it sure gives the appearance of impropriety or something that doesn't sound right. And he had to go and talk to an ethics lawyer, which he properly did. And he may be completely right, but it certainly doesn't look good. And I think that's going to be a tape that the state is going to play at trial. Jared, do you think Dan really believes himself uh, when he says that he believes Donna is 100 percent innocent in all this. Or is that just something a, a lawyer needs to either say 
or believe, uh, force himself to believe in order to be able to defend that client? I can't get into to Dan's head, so it's hard for me to know. Uh, there's just so much out there that makes it very difficult for me to believe that as a rational human being and as what seems to be a very bright guy and a good guy, that he truly believes that Donna is completely innocent of this and had nothing to do with it and is the great, loving, polite person that he, you know, told kept saying that she is. I, I started to get this like thou doth protest too much feeling about how often he kept saying he likes Donna. And and to an extent, I get it where he talked about, you know, she kind of reminds me of, of my own mom. I mean, there's there's definitely, look, I have a, a mother from New York, from Brooklyn with that New York accent. You know, I, I get it. Uh, but at the same time, it just was a little much. Um, you know, you hope as, as the defense attorney that he does believe his client is innocent. Otherwise, he should not be representing her. Uh, but I, again, you just, it, it, it doesn't seem like that's possible. Uh, Tim, by the way, uh, just so everyone knows the COE, let me know that behind the scenes space coast and some of the mods and she are trying to cut some clips already from that interview, um, in order to play on this show in a few minutes, but it's going to take a few minutes. Uh, from PhD in nutrition, that's a good thing to have a PhD and I could use some help since I had a sleeve of saltines for lunch today. My kid's sick and I don't know, there's something about saltines that are so good. Um, Tim Jansen, this new defense, you know, so I have to let this digest. I'm too close to it right now, but <laughs> basically there's a double extortion with Charlie and now he's like, well, I'm going to use that with Donna, but it's a totally different defense. How is it a totally different defense? Well, first of all, at the beginning of your conversation, he talked about the defense and he said he didn't give it out there. He didn't do any media. And he said it worked brilliantly. I wrote I, I that down to too. Figure out how did it work brilliantly? He was convicted within two hours of the charges. Um, you notice he mentioned consciousness of guilt. He was already ferreting a defense of, oh, no, that's not consciousness of guilt. And then you hit him hard with, well, who travels on a one-way ticket? Nobody. To who Vietnam of all places. Yeah, and who travels on a one-way ticket after conferring with their lawyer when and where they should go? Um, but he did put out there, I think he basically told us, Donna's going to testify. Because you, he mentioned something, and he goes, you're gonna, Donna's, you're going to hear it from her. So we know that Donna's going to testify. So Is that a whole, mistake, Tim? Is that a mistake? Well, I don't know yet. I don't know his defense, but it was with Charlie. But listen, his whole defense theory is still got the same premise. You have to believe that Lewis and Sigfredo were able to organize, plan, finance, and commit this murder for someone they didn't know, didn't know where he lived, and, and then, then they took a chance of extorting these people. That's not believable to start with. And then think about it. If that is her case, all right, when Donna's on the stand, Donna, once Lewis and Sigfredo were arrested, why didn't you and your son go to the police and tell them about this extortion? Because they were in custody. Why didn't you go to the police? 
I disagreed with him when he said they tried to interview with the police. They were no one contacted him. What happened when Georgia tried to interview them? They hired a lawyer and they were going to take the fifth and they had that hearing where the judge was going to hold him in contempt. So Donna and Harvey were never going to cooperate. I just find that problematic. Um, yeah. Um, and then yeah, the final thing about, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the final thing I wanted to say was it was interesting. Why didn't they tell Harvey? Well, they didn't tell Harvey because they said Harvey would go to the police. Why would Harvey go to the police? Because he didn't know what Donna and Charlie had done. Yeah. And they certainly couldn't let that happen. It would expose them. You know, I've been doing this for well over a year, probably two years, and I'm still lost on so many angles of this case because it's so convoluted. But KCL says it sounds like Rashbaum is going to go with the defense of a single extortion and not a double extortion in Donna's trial. Uh, Jared, I know you had a point you wanted to make, and I wanted to ask you a question, Jared, but go ahead first. Oh, I, I was just going to say that Dan kept saying that they, they did talk to the police before or after the memorial service, and they hightailed out of town after the memorial service. Uh, they were gone the next day. I re- the, the memorial service was a Sunday. I remember it very well because I was there, and they were gone the next day. So they they were not waiting around to talk about, you know, to talk to the police and and it just it's preposterous again. Yeah, it's um, by the way, misdemeanor OG, how do you do these marathons? News is a <laughs> training ground for torturing yourself. And I tortured myself for 20. I, I honestly will go home tonight and feel like I did not do enough today. But that's just my mother's voice in my head. So, Carm, if you're listening. And you want to call me later and tell me I did enough today. That would help me uh, quite a bit. Uh, Jared, the question I was going to ask you, um, and Tim just alluded to this, that it looks like Donna will take the stand. Um, Is it going to be dramatically different to see an older woman uh, who's got a gift of gab? I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, She knows how to talk. Um, She's not, she doesn't, you know, everyone's like Donna's going to die in jail. I think that woman has 20, 25 years left in her. She's a strong (laughs) Brooklynite. I mean, she's not a weak person, but are people, they're going to dress her up with, you know, glasses and a sweater and a little bonnet or whatever the hell you put, whatever. Is it going to, is it going to sway the jury in a different way when they see a sweet old lady is my bottom line question on the stand. I don't think so because they're still going to play those tapes and they're still going to read those emails. The, the email that you put in front of Dan, uh, that, that is, Hey, you need to compare what you're reading in this email to this woman you see right here. It's the same person. Uh, that's not a rational human being writing that. Uh, now I'm not going to say she's insane or anything like that because then, you know, she, she could try and use an insanity plea, but she's not. She is not a a sweet old lady, and they will be able to show that. I'm really, if she does testify, and, and Tim, I picked up on that as well. I do think mm-hmm. he kind of gave the impression that we would hear it from Donna. Uh, I am very much looking forward to a showdown between her and Georgia or her and Sarah Dugan because you've seen it when, when Wendy has been on the stand, and there's that adversarial kind of back and forth. Uh, it will be even better uh, between Georgia and or Sarah and and Donna. I can't wait for that. 
Uh, I'm seeing some of these clips behind the scenes. We're going to play them in a moment. But to Space Coast specifically and the COE, if there's any way that we can uh, tweet and or put these out on Instagram after the show, I would really like to do that. So I'm just thinking ahead so we don't have to do double the work. But we'll play those in a minute. Um, this is not to feed my ego. Trust me. Uh, my ego. Uh, do I have an ego? Yeah. But does my mother <laughs> beat it down and out of me every single day? Yes. Um, Teresa. And so does my wife. Uh, and so do my kids. And so does my dog. Uh, do you think Georgia, Tim, is going to watch this interview with Dan? Uh, they're wanting you to tell her to watch it. But but is Georgia the type of person? Is she going to watch this? And just in terms of sort of due diligence, uh, to see what Dan said and try to anticipate what could be coming. Well, I think I think that's right. I I think Georgia or somebody in her office would be watching. I think um, clearly this was publicly advertised, and I know there are a lot of listeners and subscribers who are probably friends with Ruth, and Ruth might be calling the victim witness coordinator, letting them know that hey, did you know that Donna's lawyer is going on the show tonight? So I think. Of course, they're going to listen and, and gain whatever they can, whatever information he's putting out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the um, state doesn't file a gag order in the future to prevent um, uh, the defense from going public, talking about the facts of the case. Um, I, I think that's probably going to come pretty quickly. And I think Judge Everett will grant that um, because really the party shouldn't be talking about the facts. Uh, they shouldn't be talking about the facts of the case. Um, and if you're not talking about the facts of the case, why are you coming on the show? And if you're coming on the show, talk about the facts, and you're doing what you shouldn't be doing is trying your case in the public. Uh, well, Tim, have, saw, you, have, you, have you done this hard, uh, prior to high-profile cases? Do you go on and talk about the case? It is a little unusual, right? In 38 years, I've never done it. Uh, most lawyers I know don't do it. Uh, you know, the Clenny case we, we've we've talked about, that lawyer did it, and I, I criticized him for well, that, that because I think that was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and they did file a—I think they did file a gag order once he started disparaging the victim. Um, but you really, the bar rules preclude you from going and trying your case with the with the purpose of trying to influence that adjudication or influence that jury. Um, what other purpose would a lawyer trying a case go public for? I mean, you do the normal, hey, we're, 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 he pleads not guilty or she pleads not guilty. We're going to vigorously defend this case. We believe he's going to be found innocent. That's fine. But when you start getting into the specific of the case um, and denigrating witnesses, he, like he attacked Meg Bonawa again multiple times. Well, Meg Bonawa probably is going to be a witness in this case. Maybe. I don't know. Um, is Charlie going to be a witness? Is Charlie going to come in and testify for Donna? That'd wow. be an interesting concept. How because did, how, I mean, how does there's no conflict there? I mean, I know they signed the waivers, but there's at the very least, uh, Jared, doesn't that seem weird if Charlie's called? Oh, I think it would be weird, but I totally get what Tim is saying. Uh, and, and if Charlie were called, I'm sure what he would say is there there was no conspiracy to to between any of us to kill Dan. So that therefore my mom is innocent. Um, but we already know one jury didn't believe Charlie, so it'll be very interesting to see if he is called. Uh, Tony Wilcox says, I think Rashbaum just made the prosecution's job easier. Here's a piece of sound. Believe it or not, Space Coast somehow turned this around. 
no idea what it really is, but let's listen. Let's watch. This is from the show that just ended. Now the question and why is, they see them through the lens, but the reality is they don't know Donna Adelson. Um, they haven't been in a room with her. They haven't spent time with her. They don't know what type of person she is. And so um, they're assuming certain things. And uh, many of those things are just completely false. Um, can can you so, give us an example? Can you give us a couple of examples? Look, I, I've spent uh, a considerable amount with, of time with Donna over the years. She is caring, loving. Um, she is probably the most polite client I've ever had in 25 years of doing this. Uh, she's bright, but um, not analytical. Um, she's kind. Um, she's someone I like. She's someone I care about. I would go so far to say that. Um, and that's that's odd for me in representing a client. Uh, uh, there you go. Talking, uh, Jared, singing Donna's praises. By the way, before you answer that, let me just uh, get a grassroots movement. Keith Morrison is one of my idols for many reasons. Um, guy's the coolest dude alive. And I want him to voice the beginning of my show. Dennis Murphy's pretty damn cool, too. Can everyone in STS Nation just tweet at Keith Morrison to come on our show, please? Thank you. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I, that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where he just, again, it, it just sounded like, Doth, you know, protest too much. Uh we we we've heard the tapes we've seen the emails where she you know she talks about gibbers and uh all those other things that's not a loving kind person now i know and he was right in the throes of a divorce people say and do things that may not be rational uh but that doesn't excuse the drastic language and and things that she said that she wanted Wendy to do and, and suggested that Wendy do. It just, it does not portend with the same person we're talking about. Um, and you're right. You know, most of the people on here, I have been in a room with Donna before, but I don't know her. Uh, and I would say probably 99% of the people, maybe there's a couple people in the chat that have and, and do know her, but you're going to have a hard time convincing 12 people that she is this sweet, loving woman and not the person that wrote those emails or is on those wiretaps. Uh, you've got two lawyers, one who is a lobbyist for full disclosure, doesn't practice law, but put those triple Qs like you see with Jody, and I'll keep going to the bottom of the chat to get them to Tim and Jared. Uh, Tim, back to your point about you, you thinking, you're thinking that uh, Don is going to testify um, Katie got checks from Donna. I'm guessing she will testify. Agree or disagree, Tim, Joel and Jared, but Tim. Well, I think he's going to mention a conspiracy, right? So who's going to testify about the extortion? How, who is going to testify that Donna was told about the extortion? Either she's going to have to testify about it or Charlie's going to have to come and testify. He told her there's no, no one else. And what I will say, what I do agree with wholeheartedly with Dan is every defendant is entitled to a trial. Every defendant is entitled to a presumption of evidence uh, of innocence. And I believe that I believe that all the way through, no matter the good, bad, or the ugly clients. And Dan is correct. He, he doesn't need to worry about STS people. 
What he needs to worry about is those jurors going in there. He needs to make sure those jurors can keep an open mind. A lot of those jurors are probably not going to be on this show. Um, but I do believe in the system. I believe the system was right the last time. He believed his client was innocent, and that jury didn't buy it. Um, and, and I just don't believe they're going to buy it again. But I admire him for defending his client. I disagree with him coming here publicly and doing this, but that's just a personal I would never do it. Um, but I, uh, I respect his rights and his abilities as a lawyer. You don't kill the messenger. It's the message that's the problem. The facts are his problem. It's not Dan. Dan's a great guy, smart lawyer. It's not Dan. It's just the facts are bad. And as much as he likes Donna and as much as he wants to see Donna, the facts just don't demonstrate that Donna, you look at the tapes when the bump, you look at all the calls, you look at her emails. What he is describing is not what she was living those years when they did not know they were being recorded, right? They didn't know they were being recorded by the FBI. That's how she was acting. That's the real Donna. That's the Donna that's on trial, not the loving Tim, one that he knows. Tim, Sorry. I have a question for you, if you don't Sorry. mind, Joel. Um, you know, one, one of the things you asked, one of the things you asked Dan was if he was surprised at how quickly the jury came back. And he, he said, no, when, <laughs> when he talked about how, you know, he truly believed his client was innocent, that they put up a great defense with a great strategy. So Tim, and, and one of the things you, we, you know, you and I know we learned in law school is when, when the jury comes back that quickly, it's not good for the defendant. So. Yeah, not wouldn't only. he have been shocked? They wouldn't he have been shocked they came back so quickly if if he thought they did such a great job. You know, it all depends on the trial. Sometimes, yeah, you, you're right. I've had him come back quickly, but I knew, I knew because I knew the state had failed on a couple of things, and I knew their key witness. So when I they came back quickly, I was comfortable. Uh, but normally, if they come back quickly, yeah, it's not good for the defense. It's not, and he didn't seem uh, to be surprised by it. Yeah. Jared, uh, you know, one of my first questions to him is Charlie Adelson gets convicted in under three hours. Why the hell would Donna want to hire him? Uh, what what is going on here? Is it is it, do you think it has everything to do with a speedy trial? I think that's part of it. Um, he doesn't have to prepare as much as another attorney would have to. He knows the facts. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some different discovery. The phone, which Dan kept saying there's nothing on the phone. I'm sure Georgia and her team probably disagree with that, and, and we'll find out at trial. But I think that's probably a big part of it. And there's a comfort level, too. Uh, we heard Dan mm -hmm. talk about how much he knows and, and cares about Donna and, and has worked with them uh, for you know close to 10 years, or, or I guess really it's close to eight years because he mentioned that it was – 2016 uh when that report was was leaked and they figured they had to hire an attorney but eight years is a long seven eight years a long time to know someone and, and get comfortable with them so i'm sure there's that comfort level too and there's also the arrogance that she believes she can either manipulate her way out of this which we saw in those uh tapes where she was trying to manipulate her way out of things uh or, or get information from the officers but it it, it's a combination of a, of a lot of things. It's it's the arrogance, the comfort level, and also probably the speedy trial as well. Uh, Annie Kay, uh, does it seem to others, Jared, I'm going to toss this right back to you because I have another question for Tim sure. in the uh, on deck. 
Does it seem to others as though Dan was using his visit on STS to test the waters on his defense of Donna, apart from being down on most of us? I don't know necessarily if it's to test the waters on those of us that were watching, but maybe it's to kind of get it out there. Um, again, none of us are going to be sitting on that jury. There's no no one likely in this chat. Um, there's there's probably a few. I, I mean, I've seen a few of my local Tallahassee friends pop up here uh, on the chat. So they may get called. Uh, most of them are attorneys, so they probably would not get on the the jury. Shout out, y'all. Shout out to those yeah, y'all. Right. Hello, y'all. Good to see you. Um, but and and uh, another story I'll tell another time is I actually was uh, called for jury duty at a time when during uh, one of McBanwa's trials. So that was really interesting. That's another story for another day. Uh, but none of us are going to be on the jury, so I don't even know what really floating that would do unless he's he does read the comments and maybe he's going to go back and tweak some of the things, but. I think it's more of he's just trying to get out there in the public and get some good PR for, for his client. Uh, Dreamscape question for Tim. If Donna was your client, would you recommend pursuing a plea? Would you be looking for a deal? It's tough though. We've talked about this cause she's 73. Yeah. It's, it's a really difficult position and I really feel bad for, for, for Dan because it sounds like Dan has got, has built a relationship with her. That's more than just the attorney client. And what like, would the, like, I mean, Tim, what would the plea be? Well, there, there is no plea because Georgia and them believe she was the impetus for this crime. It's a murder. She's going to make her plea to murder one. Um, and that's going to be minimum life and sentence prison for her. There's no deal to be given. Uh, I guess if she can give Wendy, but uh, that doesn't seem to be um, in the offering. You know, representing, it's like representing a friend or a friend's kid. It's really tough because you got a relationship there and it, it looks like he's built a relationship with Donna and the family that it, it maybe it's, it, it's somewhat affecting his judgment um, that he's not as neutral and objective as he should be. Cause he says, I really like her. I really care for her. And I think that's genuine, but that's also difficult when you're giving counsel to a client that maybe, you don't give them what they need to hear. You tell them what they want to hear. And I always tell my clients, listen, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Good, bad, and the ugly. And sometimes when you have a friend or a family member, that's hard to do. And whether Dan is in that position now, just judge it by his comments about Donna and the family. Uh, Tim, uh, right back to you. I'm not going to pull it up because I want to read this comment for Jared in a minute from Christine in Hawaii. Uh, when do you think this will go to trial? Uh, he sort of evaded the question I tried to ask. Will it be mm -hmm. April, November? Uh, when do you think it actually uh, gets underway? I think they're looking at May. Mm -hmm. um, I think May is when they want to try this case. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Um, and that's just an educated guess and some information I was told, and I don't want to disclose it, but I think May is the time. And Tim, someone just asked about a gag order. Um, yeah. Could someone like Judge Everett see this interview potentially and say, or Dateline and say, uh, I don't want you guys talking anymore. It's going to taint the jury pool. Uh, well, I think it's simple. All Georgia has to do is get a transcript and put on here. He's talking about the facts of this case 
and talking about things and that, that, that potential jurors could be seeing this or it could be on social media. We don't want to lose jurors because they've seen the defense lawyers say something and the judge in all cautiousness, no more talking about the case publicly. You know the Florida bar rules. We try cases in courtrooms. We don't try them in the media. And, and that's, been, that's been the way the law has been for as long as I've been a lawyer. It's changed recently with social media. Lawyers are feeling they can try their cases on social media, Instagram. Uh, it's just troubling that we're going there because, as Dan said, this case should be tried in a courtroom by neutral jurors, and a decision should be based only on the facts, not because what someone ho- heard on a social media or a podcast. So, uh, no, understood. Uh, to Catherine, um, I mean, to Jared from Catherine, how do you think Georgia will prove Donna helped plan all this? Maybe she was just a mother who believed her son that she adored when he said he was extorted and just helped him anyway. Uh, he said, and let me just, you know, add the uh, caveat here. And and Rashbaum made a point here. Um, I don't think there is many direct connections, but when you Again, to use this phrase, when all the puzzle pieces come together, it sure looks like she's behind it. But there are not as many direct connections with the people who perpetrated the actual killing. Well, circumstantial evidence is good evidence. Uh, And there is a ton of circumstantial evidence. Uh, Dan admitted that they're on these wiretaps and they're not talking like regular people. Uh, he nitpicked with you on what code is and what isn't code. Look, everybody knows that when you, when you're talking in code, what you mean is you're trying to talk around things and not be direct. You you know, maybe there was no actual, you know, Morse code, or you didn't have a sheet that said, this means this, or that means that, but they were talking in code. There's no if, ands, or buts. And maybe it's not the literal definition, but they were talking in code. Uh, so how is she going to prove it? She's going to use a lot of that same evidence we've, we've seen. She's going to use the same evidence about how she hated Danny. She was, uh, you know, very, um, she was very obvious about how much she hated Danny in those emails to Wendy. Um, and yeah, I, I think to the second part of, of the comment that you made, I think that's going to be a big part of the defense is that she was told by her son that he was being extorted and is the loving mother who always gets involved in everybody's life and come, wants to come to the rescue that she did whatever she needed to, uh, to ensure that Charlie was protected. So, and that's my friend, Betsy Burgess right there. Oh, there you go. What's up y'all Betsy Burgess. Um, an an attorney here in Tallahassee, but Jared, on, on that premise, if they thought that they were extorted by Sigfredo and them, right? Why are they talking on code on the phone? Do they Agreed. think Sigfredo and Luis are <laughs> recording their calls? You think they're listening to them? There's no reason if that's really what they thought they were being extorted. Yeah. I can understand. Exactly. On the phone, you don't need to hide it. Public place, I agree. But on the phone? Yeah, it's... It's completely irrational. And again, we've said it many times. It's preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Betty Burgess, a friend of uh, Jared Ross here. Did Dan actually, Tim Jansen, suggest that Donna bought a one-way ticket (laughs) to a non-extradition Vietnam for vacation? Or did I hallucinate that? I mean, I I know for sure, even though I'm in a fog, (laughs) that I pushed back on that. But 
I mean, you, talk you about did. bad facts, Tim Jansen. Not only that did he say that. Idiotic. I mean, moronic you, on you, their You point. called him on it, and then he admitted that he had done that in the past, but he didn't explain why you would buy a one-way ticket. It's not just traveling, right? Yeah. It's the conversation she had with her son. It's the tape recordings. It's the whole lead up that she's saying, or Laura said, you might have time to get out. Then she buys a one-way ticket, but she buys it to a place that doesn't have extradition. She calls her neighbors. After also the- talking about whether she should talk to Wendy about visas and right. things like that. And then she's also talking about killing herself. So does this sound like a woman is just leaving to go on a pilgrimage to Vietnam? No. And, and I disagree with him completely. I think the judge is going to give the consciousness of guilt inference instruction to the jury. I think they've satisfied that element. Uh, from PSS, our friend in Philly, uh, does he, Dan Rashbaum, not have any awareness of how Donna comes across, whether he likes her or not? She comes across as completely insufferable. Jared, um, does he, you know, he says basically that we have our blinders on. We're only looking at one side of the story, but is Dan being um, as open-minded as he should be in regards to his, at least the behavior of his client. He's going to have to work on rehabilitating her in front of the jury because they're going to hear again, all these tapes, they may see some of the the tape and the footage. And um, there's just so much out there about her attitude and the way she comes across it's going to be very difficult for her to come across as this sweet, loving old lady. So uh, I just, I, I think, yeah, maybe we do have our blinders on, but that's because we've seen all of this stuff that the jury's going to see or hear. And we're not going to see her sitting in a living room with her grandkids and <laughs> hugging on them and loving on them or, or having cocktails or I guess Coke zero or diet Pepsi with, uh, with, with Mr. Rashbaum. So which, by the way, you either drink Coke or Pepsi. Most people don't drink both. So just <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm a diehard I mean, Coke guy, by the yeah, way. Diehard Coke. I, I had to stop drinking sodas because I was drinking so much. But let me tell you, if I went to a restaurant and someone said, is Pepsi okay? The answer was always, is Monopoly money okay? It's yeah. Coke all the way. So <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm a Marriott Hotels guy because I have points through them. Oh, yeah. They, they're Pepsi. I might have to switch yep. hotels. I was going to have a talk with the COE about that. I am not the one. Thank you for the super sticker. I appreciate this. I found it insulting that he was disparaging of YouTubers and their audiences. We come here for the truth, and that is not what we got from Rashbound. But, but Jared, everyone in STS Nation, I know Tenton Quarantino, whatever his name is on here, was making fun of me because I asked about someone in Salt Lake. But the obvious uh, point I was trying to make, everyone in here is a potential juror, right? Yeah, if you live in the United States, uh, you know, and you are 18 years old, you can be called for jury duty. Right. So every, everybody's potential juror. Uh, but I, and I don't know that that he was trying to be disrespectful to YouTube watchers or listeners. I, I think he was just saying that we don't see his side of things. And that's why he was on this show. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he, he's got to understand that there's a potential that these are the same people that could be hearing your case, either this one, which again, like I said, most people in here are not going to be jurors, but another case down the road. So we are normal people. 
uh, the COE giving me instructions. Here's something else. I, they're doing this, and I don't know how they're even doing this, but let's listen to this piece of sound here. Oh, good sound. Excellent sound. It's reverberating in my ears. Uh, let's, oh, let's go. Um, the only thing it affects is uh, I'm a big believer in the system. And uh, in most trials, um, a jury comes to the trial and they know nothing about the case. Uh, and what they're presented with is the evidence of the case where the state or the government, in this case, the state, has the burden of proof and has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. In this case, the difficulty is that it's been tried in the media for seven plus years. Uh, and it's very hard for people to come to the case with that presumption of innocence. I think that was the most eye-opening um, piece to me um, in the last trial, the trial with Charlie. And it was depressing for me, to be honest with you. As someone who's worked on both sides and believes in the system, and does this because the system is so important. We have the greatest system, I think, in the world. Um, but it's based on having a vigorous defense with a presumption of innocence where the state is not a dictatorship, where the state has to prove its evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. And for me, it was depressing to see all the jurors, not the jurors we had, but all the potential jurors come in there already with an opinion already with opinion based on not one piece of evidence just uh so that sounds like a constitutional law professor tim jansen you're shaking your head why i i have a problem with that because i've tried high profile cases i mean really high profile cases and you know that people have formed opinions so when you say i was shocked that people formed opinions on a high profile case that's been in the public Trials are public. People are allowed to see what's going on. For him to say he was shocked that a high-profile case, people had formed opinions, it's just, it's just not reality. Maybe he's never tried a high-profile case before. That may be. But when, when he knew he was taking that case of Charlie Adelson and he didn't think he's going to have people in this community that had formed opinion, his whole job during jury selection was to ferret those people out. But he waived that job. He gave that to Dubin to do. Now, he said he worked with him. Fine. But on a high-profile case, yes, people form opinions. And, and I can recall a case. I got a change of venue from here to Pensacola. And the judge goes, Tim, no one's going to know anything about the case. He asked the jurors when he started, has anybody heard or read anything about this case? There was like 200 jurors. 150 raised their hands in Pensacola. <laughs> so, and he looked at me and then, I mean, that's high profile cases. People form opinions. And these days you should be, you should know that going in. So when he said he was disappointed, he should have prepared for that and tried to ferret out those people. And, and it sounds like he did. Oh, hopefully he did. Yeah. Cause, cause he even said not, he, yeah, he said not the jurors that we had, but the jurors that over a hundred jurors came in. I, First of all, you knew Tallahassee is a small community. We're a university town. Uh, the the reason Tal look Tallahassee is the capital, and we all know that that state government is very important in this city. But let's be honest, Florida State University and FAMU really are a huge reason why Tallahassee has a population to begin with. 
a law professor from a top 50 law school in, in the country was murdered, people are going to know about it, especially people that live in that community. This case has been on Dateline. This case has been all over the internet. There have been podcasts about this case. People in Tallahassee are going to know about it. So to, to act incredulous and like shocked that, you know, people came into that courtroom and knew about it. I, I got called for jury duty and knew about a case because I had read about it in the Tallahassee Democrat that was no nowhere near as high profile of this. Now, I didn't know who the defendant was, but I remember hearing the story because I live in Tallahassee. It's just how it is. Do you think people are shocked that people know about uh, Donald Trump's criminal cases? I think they're high profile. People know about them. Hey, Jared, so, you, how long so you been so in Tallahassee, Jared? Uh for the better part of uh, 29 years. Okay. In 2000, the FAMU bombings. Yeah. Do you remember those? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th that was a high profile case. And I moved the case to Pensacola mm -hmm. and, and that was Pensacola on the FAMU bombings. I mean, Jesse Jackson yeah. was coming here. They were closing FAMU that had national exposure. And I knew that people were going to form opinions. And I called up people up to the stand. I said, well, what do you think? She goes, oh, he's guilty as hell. And I got her excused. But, I mean, you have to understand, high-profile cases bring people out. And that's also why you have challenges. Right. Um, you got this super sticker from Esther. I appreciate the interview to confirm my guilty opinion isn't biased. Rashbaum is testing theories with our YouTube community to determine what sticks and what definitely won't. Uh, Tim, this super sticker has been hanging around for a while from Brown and Beachy Vlogs. Uh, can an appeal attorney use this interview to clear Donna later? I hope this doesn't get Rashbaum in trouble. But go um, No, because none of this is before the jury. What he said is not before the jury. And um, the only way you get an appeal is if you... I don't know how, I, I guess I didn't understand the question. What Dan said here tonight is not going to be for a jury to consider unless you get somebody on the jury who watched the show and then they found out later they lied about watching the show and then that juror somehow tried to bring in what Dan said, right, on this show into the jury box. That could be a problem. That could be a problem. Get me those triple Q's questions, Q, 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 so I know what it is, like less noise did. Uh, Tim, back to you. Uh, how does a defense attorney ethically proceed if they believe their client is guilty? I, I imagine that has to happen every day all over this country. Every hour. <laughs> um, you, you, clients never come in and say they're guilty. I always tell my clients, don't tell me what you did. I don't want you to say anything. Let me read the police report. Tell me what you're accused of before they say something. Very rarely do they ever come in and say, I did it. Um, sometimes they'll say, hey, man, just get me the best deal you can get me, right? Um, and I have found in 38 years of practicing, both as a prosecutor and as a defense lawyer, what is in the police report and what your client tells you, it's usually somewhere in the middle. The police report is going to be so damaging. And then what the client tell you, so what the person probably did, and it's sometimes they didn't do anything, they get the wrong person, but it's usually somewhere in between. Um, that's a good, that's a good ballpark to start with. And uh, 
Brian Augier. Hi, Joel. Uh, evening from Westfield, New Jersey. I know well. It is infamously known as the hometown of John List. He was a family annihilator. I believe he's one of the first family annihilators. However, with that said, my good friend Bill Bloom, my doubles partner in high school, and Rob Crozier, two of my oldest friends, both live in Westfield, New Jersey. Shout out to them and to New Jersey. Um, Jared, I know you're not the practicing attorney here. Are you planning to attend this hearing Monday? Uh, Tim, by the way, are you going to be able to cover that live with me? Uh, screw that. Excuse what me. time is it? It's 10. It's uh, 10 30 in the morning. I need you at 10 15. You have to cancel all your plans that morning. Well, I morning. just want you to know Donna's not going to be there, right? Mm. It's a case management. The judge is going to say, sure she's not there. They don't bring yeah, her. They said, they said zoom. They don't oh. no, I doubt they bring her. Yeah. Um, they don't normally bring her. Dan will probably be by zoom because it's just a case management. Still I imagine Alex will, Timbo. Be, Alex will be in the courtroom. I'll try to make my calendar work. I know I have a, a sentencing in federal court in Gainesville in the afternoon. This guy's a real lawyer, but I'm going to, I'm going to make him uh, do analysis um, that's going to be, by the way, live Monday, 10, 15 a.m. One way or another, we'll get it done. And then we're doing a show 7 p.m. Monday with uh, I don't even know who a uh, John Singer, John Spillbor and someone else uh, about Donna's day in court. We'll figure it out. Uh, the COE mentioned this. I'm mentioning it again. Uh, the live watch party uh, this Friday night doing the Markel story once again. And uh, we're going to we're going to watch it together. How the COE's uh, organizing it, I do not know, but uh, you do have to be a member. You see there, members only, uh, Patreon or YouTube. Um, you got to deal with the COE on that one. Uh, Tim, but okay, so she's not going to be in court. I get that. But what should we expect on Monday? I think Alex will show up and say he's part of the team. And I think they'll probably set a trial date. I think they'll set it for May or June. Um, and that's what I think will happen. Mm. I'm guessing, uh, you know, mother of men, uh, like that name. Do you think Wendy was the driving force and will she be next? Jared Ross and Jared is a former friend of Wendy's. They're still Facebook friends. <laughs> oh, I, I think I haven't checked in a little while. Uh, but, uh, I will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she absolutely, uh, was a driving force behind this. I know that there's a lot of people and, and I know Tim has some, uh, questions about her, her guilt as well. Um, but there's just, to me, the big thing is everything about Jeff Lacoste. And I know that Dan tried to say that there was stuff that Jeff said in depositions that didn't come in, but he testified. You had a chance to ask him about that at trial and didn't. Um, but there's just everything Jeff Lacoste said, the the texting or calling uh, Danny to find out if he was going to be in town on the 18th. Uh, there's just so much there. And then other things that I've heard from other people, which are not um, things that I, you know, that, that people would have asked me not to repeat. But there's just a lot of strange behavior that that leads me to think that she definitely had something to do with this. I tend to agree. Angela, why is Donna having another case management hearing one week after this one? I don't think that's the case. Originally, it was scheduled for the following week. They bumped it up, and that's because, and, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the case hearing. I don't think there's going to be another one unless they schedule one, but uh, they're bumping it up because uh, Donna's got a, 
There's, here's, here's a Yiddish word, spilkis, which means ants in your pants in Yiddish. <laughs> and uh, she's got ants in her pants. I don't speak well, remember, Yiddish. the judge wanted to move it to like February. Yes. And the Scalzo says, no, 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 judge. We don't want it. We want to go quickly. And then we had the weather that closed the court for her day, right? So this is the next case management. And the judges keep these on case managements to keep them in the docket. They want to keep them moving. They don't want it just sitting there. They want to move cases. This is a brand new case. And, and they could say, judge, we want to have a case management in 60 days. The judge would grant it. But I don't think that's what the defense wants. Uh, it seems to me they want to proceed. And maybe it'll change. Maybe it's going to change because now she's in general population and she's getting her toothbrush. She's getting a shower, as Dan said. Maybe she wants more time now that she realizes she, she can now survive and thrive and, and she wants to be better prepared. We'll see. No one really knows. She's like, wow, this is like Vietnam here. I get a shower and a toothbrush. Let me uh, let me hang out. Uh, I was just going to read that comment. Ned Smith, super sticker. COE, you got some bad timing with those uh, pulling those comments away. Um, nothing. Someone's asking about the uh, Holocaust ring here. Um, I, I actually did mean to get to that. Uh, I don't think he would answer that. I think that he would probably say, uh, for those who do not know, Wendy Adelson never returned uh, the Holocaust heirloom, um, which is a family, a Markel family heirloom. So, um, you know, I think that he would probably say that's a family matter that he is not aware of. But I can I could ask Dan. I'll, I'll hit him up with a text. Um, Tim Jansen, is it normal for a lawyer to talk on the phone Every day with her client, he is speaking to her every day. I know that for a fact because uh, I had a phone conversation with him. Well, not for a fact, but Donna called uh, and he told her that he was going to call her back and it put me in a weird spot, But or she would call him back. But, um, but do you talk to your clients daily when you're getting close to trial? Well, if you're close to trial, yes. If you're in the, uh, weeks in between coming up for trial, yes. If you haven't even set the case for trial yet, no. Um, I, like I said, because of his relationship with her, it's, it seems like it's more than just a lawyer attorney. It seems like it's almost like a family friend or a relative. And so, yes, he would be talking to her. Um, but daily, that's a little much, but she trusts him and he likes her. So I don't know if he's billing by the hour. I don't know if he's got a flat fee. Um, but he's taking her calls. That, that is abnormal to talk every day unless you're in trial or on the verge of trial. Uh, Jared, I'm going to read this email again. This is an email from Donna Adelson to Wendy. And she writes, this is about a year before the murder, 2013. Uh, she writes, <clears throat> you have a job to get done in a very short time frame to accomplish it. If you dressed your kids up in Hitler youth uniforms and brought them down here, I could care less if it was an act of defiance and I would show gibbers that he's not in control. If your children are baptized, it doesn't make them Christian. Ben and Lincoln aren't really pirates because they dress up like Jake the pirate. It's an act. You got into this mess with gibbers by being so compliant and non-confrontational with him. I, I do you agree with me. I mean, because I read this and my mother, my, you know, my own mom's a Holocaust survivor. This is not like typical. Look, I go on rants. Everyone knows that I would never go on a rant like this. I mean, this is a picture, a glimpse into, in my opinion, an unhealthy mind. Am I being too harsh, Jared Ross? 
Not at all. Um, especially knowing the, who the family is. Look, and and you know, I, I sometimes read the comments too much uh, on things. So I know people got very upset over the fact, Joel, that the first time I was on, we talked about being Jewish too much. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is in a Jewish family, there are certain things you don't joke about and you don't make offhand comments about. And the Holocaust is one of them. Um, you know, I'm a grandson of Holocaust survivors. I would never in a million years, it doesn't matter what we were talking about or thinking about or how mad I was, there would never be a thought in my mind of bringing up Hitler youth uniforms, costumes, whatever. That is not normal, especially it's not normal for anybody. It's not normal to to bring that up and, and you know, maybe I'm a little bit sensitive to it because of the, the world events right now and everything else. But at the end of the day, that's not normal for, for anybody, but especially for a Jewish family who I guarantee you they have relatives that are Holocaust survivors because we all do. Um, it, it's just a fact of life. To, to bring that up, I mean, the whole baptism thing, okay, that's one thing, and that's kind of stupid as well. Uh, but the Hitler youth thing, like, I mean, when I first heard that, it it really got me, and it is not normal at all. It is a sign of some sort of a psychosis in my mind. Uh, well put. Tim Jansen, uh, your take on that, again, uh, from a legal standpoint now, you know, she's not saying I'm going to murder this guy, but from an optics perspective, when a juror or a jury, a, a panel of jurors um, reads that, by the way, the question real quick, and we'll get back to this because my ADD mind, the, the previous question that the COE took down, is there any chance this could become a bench trial before we get no. into the no, ch- no, no chance? No chance. You can't request that in Tallahassee? You, you can. Both parties have to agree. Okay. I, I don't think they would want to agree. So with the Judge state Everett. would have to agree as well is what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they want to do Tim that. Tim just froze up. Everyone's freezing up tonight. Uh, Tim, you back? And I don't, I don't think, up. I don't think I'm, the defense I'm, would, I don't think the defense would want to do that either. No. Yeah. Listen, yeah. here's the deal with this. If I'm the state prosecutor and I'm playing this, these tapes, these emails, ladies and gentlemen, we're not trying Donna for how she sits in this chair here. We're not going to try her for how she acted at the airport. Well, we want you to consider her conduct, her behavior, and what she was doing during this time period. And look at these emails. This is what her demeanor was. This was her state of mind during this key time. And look at it. Does this look like someone who was rational? Somebody that was kind? No, it's someone that was desperate, who was demented, and who was seeking her daughter to take actions and telling her to do things that were completely inconsistent with her faith and with common sense. And that's, what's going to kill the defense. Yeah. Dan can't defeat that. He can't defeat that. He can argue Uh, that doesn't mean she's a murderer, but it certainly doesn't put her in a good light. And speaking of that, Tim, so just back to this Nazi email real quick. Um, you know, it's not, this isn't a link to a murder per se, but how, how does it play with a jury? Not good for the defense at all. It shows the desperation, which is what the Georgia wants to show, right? She was so desperate that she would 
get to this level of emails with their daughter and that didn't work, what was the next step? Well, we'll tell you what the next step was. The next step was her son reaching out, finding someone to take care of the problem. Uh, Moto 88, if they arrest Wendy, this is a very specific question, Tim Jansen. If they arrest mm -hmm. Wendy and she's in jail at the time of Donna's trial, would Wendy testify in jail clothes? That is a great question, Moto 88. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I would think yeah. that her lawyer would probably get her to change clothes um, or at least give her the same dress she had two other times. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it's funny because we talked about that in law school, I remember. There, there is case law on a defendant cannot testify in jail garb because it's considered prejudicial to the defendant. But And I know that if you've been convicted and you're testifying at trial, then you do testify in jail garb. But I don't know about a witness. Yeah. Right. I don't know about and, – and Katie did as well. But I don't know about if you are a witness who has been arrested but not convicted. That That is a interesting question. Jared, never do anything nefarious. You look good in a suit with that lapel pin, man. Don't get yourself <laughs> into trouble. I would hate to see that taken away. Jen W. Yeah, we had we had session today. I had to be at the Capitol, so <laughs> you, look, you look sharp, man. I know you're how in boxers. Are, from how are you're... politicians treating us these days? Oh, you, you, I can't. <laughs> I'll I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> Um, I got to ask you, by the way, Jared, uh, I peripherally follow some stuff, but uh, that whole thing with the head of the Republican Party in the state of Florida, I got to talk to you about that off air, but that was kind of not. <laughs> um, Jen W., what do you think Wendy, uh, Jared, would think of the arrest video? And also, I think Dan was flustered towards the end of the interview. He started to stutter, et cetera, which is my normal uh, cadence for speaking. But go ahead, Jared. What about that arrest video? What do you think Wendy would think since you knew her? I think she'd be embarrassed. Um, she's someone who very much is into looking good publicly and wanting to be uh, thought of highly. And seeing your mother being perp walked, you know, for what seemed like five miles through the airport <laughs> probably would, would embarrass her. But then again, her brother's now been convicted of murder. Her mom is now in jail awaiting a murder trial. I don't know how much more embarrassed you could be. Um, and what the second part of that question was, I have no idea. My brain is, yeah, I, I don't remember either. Yeah, don't worry. So, about but she, it. she would not, she would not be pleased about it. I, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. it was about Dan getting flustered uh, yeah. and stuttering. I, you know, I don't know that he got flustered. I think he was uh, trying to wrap it up a little bit. Uh, I did have someone text me and said, he says the word right a lot. He and does. I did notice that. He, yeah. As my mother would, she calls it a verbal tick. I have that. I say um too oh, much. Oh, I, I, I do um as well. It's, you know, one of those things. But he does say right a lot. There's no doubt. He'll notice that if he watches it. Uh, yeah. We have a we have another soundbite. COE, please don't. Uh, kill yourself, metaphorically speaking, or Space Coast. This is probably enough, but let's play this one. This is about uh, Donna taking off from the interview with Rashbaum. Uh, Dan, I got to say, this doesn't look too good either, what they call a bad fact. Um, from Patreon member Bobby, <laughs> is it you uh, that she is referring to, and did you have prior knowledge of her flight? So uh, I'm going to read what I've written here so I don't screw this up. Um, so uh, 
because I anticipated this this question would come. Uh, I can't talk about what I said or didn't say uh, because it's privilege. Uh, what I can say um, is that at the time Donna Adelson went to the airport, she was a free woman. What I can say is there was no indictment to anyone's knowledge. We know now there wasn't one. Um, there was no grand jury that we knew was convened. We know now it wasn't convened till after. Uh, and there was no arrest warrant that was known of. In fact, uh, we know the arrest warrant, I think, was just obtained hours before the flight. Um, uh, again, she had offered to surrender at any point in time from 2016 on. Uh, I know that because I had made uh, that offer. Um, she did nothing wrong by going to the airport. Okay. Now, I cannot tell you what I advised her, what I knew, or what I didn't know. But what I can tell you for certain is that I acted within my ethical obligations. Um, and what I can tell you for certain is that no crimes were committed by her going to the airport. It's with Tim Jansen. Pick it up. I mean, he had to read a script there, basically. He did. Uh, is he, and, and he's he playing knew, with fire a little bit, I think. Because he knew it was on the line. And it really looks bad. Because anytime you tell your client, hey, you're not indicted yet. I don't know of a warrant yet. But if I were you, I'd get the hell out of town and I'd go somewhere. That doesn't look good. It may be ethically legal because there technically isn't a warrant for her arrest. But it's not something that you would want to brag about. Some something he, I'm sure he was glad is on a tape, because it just doesn't sound good under the circumstances. Gigi Stone, what's a sock? Glad you asked. Every every I don't know every little area, law, TV, broadcast news, they all have their lingo. But sot is sound on tape and used for since Edward R. Murrow, and so she's let me know that there is sound on tape. Thanks to Space Coast for editing and all the help getting graphics and videos up. Um, I thanked them, and I continue to thank them, and a big thanks to Chelsea Whitaker for logging the show with time codes. This is why I always say it. This is Chelsea Whitaker right here. I hope everyone was polite, monitoring chat while doing timestamp duty was wishful thinking. We have the best guests, but a better community. We have the best community, and uh, thank you guys so much for hey, always Joel, being on top of it. Joel, yes, Tim Jansen. I, I wanted to uh, clarify something, legal issue. Uh, sure. You talked about did they read her, her Miranda rights when she was arrested, right? Yeah. She was mm -hmm. under arrest. They have no obligation to read her Miranda unless they are trying to interrogate her or conduct an interview. Okay. They can arrest her, put cuffs on. And if she walks and she spontaneously says something, that is not suppressible. The only thing is suppressible if it's a, a custodial interrogation where they initiate the communication. If she just blurts out, this is insane. I didn't, whatever. That's not suppressible because they didn't initiate the conversation or the questioning. I, I never knew that until right now. Thanks to Professor Jansen. I think I'm going to start calling you that. Sujatha Wolf, not illegal, but was it really ethical? Uh, Jared, you are an attorney, even though you don't really practice. But what about that? I mean, him basically kind of giving her the green light to get out of Dodge. And I don't know. What do you make of all that? Do you think he's so, a, so there a, are. 
there are rules of ethics and then there's personal ethics. And he also said he holds himself to a higher standard than the, than the professional rules of conduct. I would personally never, if I did practice criminal law and, and Tim said it himself would never advise a client to, to flee the country. Uh, the other thing he kept saying is when she went to the airport, she was doing nothing illegal. That may be true, but she was illegal. She was trying to flee the country to avoid uh, arrest. And so there, you know, his statement, and, and I'd love to, uh, to see Dr. G uh, kind of break down his, his body language as he read that statement, because he definitely looked uncomfortable when he was talking. We'll, about we'll it. get Dr. G on that. That's a great idea. Yeah. And if, if he really just wanted to cut it off and not even make a big deal about it, he should have just stuck with that first part of what he said is any conversations I had with my client were privileged and I can't talk about it. And, it, he, you know, you would have pushed back. I know you would have. But at the same time, he could have just said privileged conversation. I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, Marie, uh, Mary Coppola, uh, Francis Ford's aunt. I'm just making this up. Uh, I think Dan knew exactly what he was doing on the show. All prep work for trial to get a pulse on what the prosecution and people are thinking about the case. Very possible. Very possible. PSS, Tim Jansen, most glaring indication that he's too close to Donna Adelson is him <laughs> telling her to go to the airport on a hot mic. If she's a regular client, I don't see him offering that advice. Your thoughts on this? He made he made it clear that it's a very unique relationship and how so I don't fully understand. Would you do this for any kind of typical client, Tim Jansen? Never. I would never. And I purposely never do. I clarify, I would bring in a, an, another lawyer in my office and I would instruct them and I'd write a note to the file. I am instructing him. I don't know if there's a warrant, but I cannot instruct him to leave. Uh, we have reason to believe that the investigation may be continuing, but I am not in any way uh, instructing or counseling him or inviting him to leave. You just can't do that. Um, it'll come back to haunt you every time. Uh, just like a politician, right? Who gets politicians in trouble? Their friends. Doing something for a friend or a family member that you wouldn't normally do for a client. And, and it's, it always clouds your judgment. And you have to remember that. Think about it. Would I do this for any other client? And if the answer is no, it should be no here. Miss, thank you, Professor. Miss Brazy, 604. My humble opinion. I don't think Rash is a bad guy, not a bad guy. Uh, there used to be a guy in Tucson that walked around with 40 plastic bags. Uh, interesting character. Uh, nor do I hate him. I just disagree vehemently, and there's no mob mentality for me. I think for myself, which is a good thing these days. Uh, COE, the reaction heart is back, LOL. Uh, this is interesting. Tim, what do you make of Dan saying he would not have called the police either? Jared, you yeah. say either or either, Jared. I say either. It really depends. Either. Sometimes I say either and sometimes I say either. <laughs> uh, you know, it probably depends who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to my friends in New Jersey or New York, it's probably either. And down here, yeah. it's probably either. <laughs> I'm like a chameleon I'm either sometimes. Guy. You know, you know Joel, I asked my wife when I, I came before I came on. I said, what do you think? You don't think you would call the police? I said, let me ask you this, honey. What if someone kidnapped our kid and they wanted to give us, they wanted us to give them money? Will we call the police? Absolutely. 
Why would you not call the police? I don't know. And I was a federal prosecutor. And trust me, I know I, I, I couldn't understand what he was saying because as a prosecutor, he would he knows what the police can do. Well, when you're innocent and you're being threatened or extorted, you call the police. You don't call your friend. You don't call your, your mom. No, you call the police. I, I, I found that hard to believe. And I don't think if he sells that to a jury, a jury's going to buy it. I just don't. And, and not and not to mention, you said it earlier, Tim. What about after the arrests were made? Right. You don't then go to the police. And, and you know, when, when Katie, who he kept saying she was not the blackmailer, right. she was trying to protect me when she was arrested, go to the police and say, you've got the whole story wrong. Katie's innocent. Let right. me tell you what actually happened. Never that, has that's he. The, that's the car. What's that game where you, you stack things and you pull them out? Jenga. Well, the Jenga. Jenga. Yeah. If Georgia asked Donna that when they were arrested, why didn't you call the police? And then when she, she just, she, Georgia should say Jenga. <laughs> yeah. And, and for nine years, you've known who killed your brother-in-law and you never told your sister. You never told your daughter. Right. Uh, you, you've let them think all along that this was just, you know, two crazy guys. No, that, it does not add up. Uh, Annalise always from call New the police. Yeah. Annalise from New Zealand. I'm definitely calling the cops. Uh, <laughs> D implied Dan implied your bias um, that we're biased. It couldn't change that. I couldn't change my mind. If compelling evidence came to light, felt like Dan's mask slipped. He wanted to cause totally biased and show contempt for you regularly covering this murder case. Perhaps. Uh, I don't know. Um, Jared. What's the squatch? Squatch a hall. Joel, the Bagman has not been around. Oh, in Tucson, everyone knows the Bagman in Tucson. Everyone does. Every um, every community has someone like we used to have King Love. I'm sure Tim, Tim remembers okay. him. King Love. Oh my God, the guy that drove around in a bicycle in a G string. <laughs> yeah. King Love. Yeah. In a G string, and he weighed like 300 pounds. King Love. We have we have naked King crown on. Yeah, we have and naked he would say, I love here. you. <laughs> you know they tried <laughs> we, to arrest yeah. him. For indecent oh, I remember. Yeah. Because of, but they said the thong covered up enough. <laughs> what happened to King Love? Where is King Love? He I died. He passed, King Love he passed died. away. Ann Arbor has shaky Jake. I know that from my friend Matt Brode, yeah. who's the chief meteorologist in Tucson, Arizona. But um, we've got uh, my kids call him naked grandpa. He's uh, kind of on the way to school. He's about 97 and he likes to garden in a thong. Um, interesting. Oh Interesting character, uh, but I digress. Uh, where was I? So, uh, Jared, we'll go like another 10 minutes. How about that? Uh, before my mind turns completely to mush. But uh, the arrest, you know, we watched that arrest video and it is very glaring, uh, conspicuous that Donna never proclaims her innocence or says, why am I being arrested? There's none of that. Uh, is there anything to that? I mean, obviously, in, you know, kind of deference to her situation, chaotic, it's a very chaotic moment. It's craziness. You're not expecting it. But should we have expected to hear some, some defiance from her as to the point I just made? I didn't do this. Why are you arresting me? I'm innocent. We hear none of that. 
you know, I've gone back and forth on that and I've watched it a couple of times. She does say, this is insane. Why are you doing this? Um, There is a little bit of defiance from her. Uh, I I don't think it was as unexpected as some people think. I, you know, I'm sure the entire time she was at the airport waiting to get on that plane, she's looking over her shoulder. She's, you know, wondering what's going to happen. I guarantee you she was sweating bullets going through TSA because uh, she probably thought if she's going to get stopped, it's going to be at TSA or, you know, when you go to TSA and they they check you, they scan your passport or your your license. I guarantee she thought once she got through there, OK, maybe I'm, I'm fine. Uh, but I don't think she was as surprised as some people think. I she she and again, Dan told her you you may not make it out. So there was probably and then when she saw Sanford, I'm sure she recognized him from the, the trials. So she was probably like, oh crap, you know. But she's like, hey, what a, I know what a that moment. Guy. Where do I know that guy from? Yeah, what a moment for Pat Sanford. Jennifer Sub or Sube, I still don't know. SDS, you guys rock. I love having you on with me all day. Uh, at work, I watch. When I get home, I watch. Kudos and all the cool guests and love the best trials channel. Thank you for everything. We appreciate that. Uh, surviving the Survivor. There it is. The COE is ready to go. Let me get uh, – oh, I just put it back up. There we go. Uh, we have a new channel. Look at – that looks really cool, actually. I don't know what you did with the lighting, but um, Surviving the surviving tri- Survivor Trials. Um, it's not that easy to find yet because we're building up a following, and uh, but it's out there, and we are covering trials. And someone just reminded me, oh, it was Dr. G. Oh, you put a spotlight on. It looks really cool, actually. Can you put a spotlight on our other lo- on our other logos? Um, but this trial I'm interested in, and, and I'd be curious to hear from you guys if you are. I'm a big fight fan. So UFC heavyweight Kane Velasquez, he was a champion, is about to go on trial. He found out that uh, his child was being sexually molested and uh, kind of took matters into his own hands. Uh, He was arrested and incarcerated. He got out on bail finally. He ended up following uh, the perpetrator uh, in a truck. This guy, Cain Velasquez, could kill someone with his pinky. But uh, he decided to fire a weapon at the truck. He hit the other person, not the perpetrator. Mm. But still, um, there's always a part of me. We've had uh, Jody Plouchet on, whose father, Gary, murdered his perpetrator on live TV in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, back in 1984, a very famous case, uh, crazy that that murder was seen on live television. Uh, news cameras captured it. But I'm just curious if people would be interested in that trial. I am. Let me know. Um, interesting case, I think. Uh, what is this question here? Could an attorney, Tim Jansen, sign on as a client's attorney just to claim privilege to protect questionable conversations? Interesting. Well, just remember, it's not the attorney's privilege. It's the client's privilege. A client can waive it at any time in the future. It's not the lawyer's privilege. So if that client wanted to waive the privilege and say what the lawyer said, they can do that. I don't know how that would protect him from uh, if the client wants to give disclose that privilege. Well, I, I think what the question is asking is, could Maybe someone... I, did I read that could, wrong? Could, 
and I think Charlie had, you know, on the on the calls, there was a little bit of this going on. I think what they're saying is, could someone just hire someone to be an attorney so that they can have secret conversations? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the answer is, yeah, if you hire an attorney, whatever you talk about is privilege. So um, it's that's not whatever how it works. It, there's well, yeah, correct. Correct. There are exceptions. I agree, I agree with that response. I read it wrong. That's correct. Yeah. A girl named Sue. Joel, I just Googled STS trials, YouTube. So we now have this channel, which is best guests. And the other one is best trials. Uh, but Kristen Grogan said, is this a different YouTube YouTube channel? Yes, it is. I looked it up. I could not find it. Uh, you're going to have to defer to the mods and or there it is. She's back up. COE uh, right there. Um, I couldn't remember. Well, I guess I could remember that uh, address sort of bugs. I'm uh, I call the COE bugs in real life, but uh, <laughs> COE bugs. I really like that spotlight and I'm obsessing about it. And I would like that on all our logos. So that's all. Uh, Tim Jansen. Something that was interesting is Rashbaum said, I can guarantee you because I know there's no for- digital forensic evidence on that cell phone that they took from Donna. Donna pulled one of these. She yanked it away. When I asked about the other devices, he wasn't so sure. Is this kind of a game of chicken? Uh, do you think he knows for sure? Well, let me tell you the first problem with that. Hmm. If he took the phone and he inspected the phone, and if there was something on it, he now has put himself in the predicament, okay? He's made himself a witness in the case. What is he going to tell Donna to do with that phone if there's something incriminating on it, right? He can't have her erase it or throw it away. He put himself in a bad position. He should not be investigating or or looking through a phone to determine if there's anything bad on there. It puts him in a bad position of giving advice what to do with that phone. I don't know why. He has an, an investigator, someone else do it. Why is he doing it? He just put himself in a bad And to admit that. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I've never done that. I would never go through my client's phone and say, oh, this is bad. What are you going to do? Say what that tells him right. what it tells him to get rid of it or, or delete it. Right. Which you can't do. Mm-hmm. You put yourself in a bad position. Bonnie Lee Lopez coming up bun- bundled up from Vermont where it is chilly. Tim can Rashi Rashbaum be called as a witness uh, relating to the phone call with Donna about, uh, exiting the U.S. pronto. Uh, we asked, I asked him that yeah. in the show. Um, is this a real possibility? I think it is. I think it is, depending on the whole conversation. If the, is the state going to play that, which you assume they are, right? Because it goes to her intent to flee. She was getting legal advice to flee. Then I would want to play it. And then I think the state could call her as a witness. And I think maybe the defense might call him as a witness. And you know, you can't be a witness and a lawyer in the same case. You can't. Never happens. Um, it did happen in Inherit the Wind, <laughs> the Scopes <laughs> Monkey trial, where Clarence Darrow cross-examined the, the, because the judge wouldn't allow him to call his experts. They called Brady to the stand, and he cross-examined him. That's the only case I've ever heard where a lawyer was a witness in the same case. So I was in that play, uh, I think freshman year of high school. And I just stood there like an idiot on stage for four nights. Um, blessings always 
Do you honestly think the prosecution uh, has enough? This is for you, Jared, for a conviction on Wendy without someone flipping on her. What do you think? I would say as of right now that if they thought they had all the evidence that they needed to convict her, she probably would have been arrested right now. But I do believe that they have evidence to convict her. Um, again, what I believe and what 12 juries, you know, jurors of her peers believe could be two totally different things. Uh, that said, I think we don't know all the evidence that they have on Wendy. Um, what we have found, and, and y'all have talked about it on this. Sorry, I said y'all, but uh, <laughs> people have talked about it on this channel for over a year is the prosecution in this case, the state attorney's office has been doing this now for they've been investigating for nine years. They've been litigating this case. Uh, I believe the first trial was in 2019. So we're now on five years of trials. They know what they're doing. And they know, even if they have enough evidence to uh, arrest her and convict her, they know why they haven't done it yet. They're, they're calculated. Uh, as we like to say in politics, they're playing 4D chess while a lot of others are playing checkers. Um, so they are, they know what they're doing. And I have full faith in Georgia Kappelman, in, in Jack Campbell. Uh, that office knows what they're doing. Yannette Gomez, I have no idea the answer to this, but I'm glad you asked. Whatever happened with Charlie and Katie's arrest video? It's got to be out there. If anyone knows or has the answer or whatever, let me know. Um, Artie brings up a good point. He said not on the phone, or he said on the phone, but on the phone doesn't mean in the cloud. That's a whole new brave world, which I don't understand. Uh, Bugs isn't Bugs Bunny. Bugs isn't she has big, beautiful eyes, like bug eyes, <laughs> and it just sort of... It's stuck, uh, and everyone in her family calls her, well, not everyone, but a lot. Everyone I know calls her Bugs now. Uh, I've been calling her that for uh, Does she like that? Is she okay uh, with that? It's past the point of no return, by the way, so I don't know. I'll have to ask her when I get home. Uh, but that's coming from the woman who, five years into our marriage, comes home one night and says, a friend of mine told me, you're sort of good looking. I uh, never really noticed before. And that was five years into our marriage. <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you. I feel uh, so loved. Um, Freedom Forecaster. I have no idea what this question is. Why did they take Donna's blue bag off of her shoulder and give it to Harvey and not look through it to see if there was evidence in the bag as in another phone or an iPad? They went back and got search warrants. That's a great question. Tim Jansen, they gave that bag to, Har to Harvey. Why? Yeah, they... They probably had an intention. They wanted to get phone or computers to see if she had, uh, on the phone, made any communications about her fleeing um, or any conversations with Wendy about fleeing or anything like that. They probably didn't think anything in the bag. The bag wasn't, well, it was on her shoulder, but it was taken off. So they just handed it to the husband. Uh, Larry McConnell will... Will Don and Harvey get their room deposit back from their Vietnam hotelier? <laughs> Someone asked me if they're getting a refund. Depends if it's in within the cancellation process, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, if Harvey can't get an Uber to get home, I doubt he's getting I a know, refund. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling that that's probably the least of their worries right now. Um, although I did hear, actually, I'm not going to say what it is, but I did hear a very sad story relating to the Adelsons. Um, and sort of being in a desperate spot for money. And I don't know if it's 
a thousand percent true, but are some good sources. So um, I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. And if I get more information that I can share, I will. Uh, look at this from Angela. This brings a warm, fuzzy feeling. Joel is a terrific host, and the chemistry of these three guests is great. They're playing live jazz, and that's only because Tim and Jared are awesome. Both Anytime both these guys are on, uh, people tune in and enjoy tuning in. Tim Jansen, I read this to, to Dan Rashbaum. This was a question someone sent in, and for the life of me, I can't remember who, so I apologize. But if Charlie knew for so long that there was even a possibility that he'd be arrested, and he said so repeatedly in jail calls, why wouldn't he first try to cooperate with law enforcement to catch all the real bad guys? Why wait and gamble on a trial, especially after seeing three people convicted? It's a big problem. It was, and it, it was. And I think Georgia asked him the same thing on the stand. I think she cross-examined him and asked him, why didn't you come forward with this extortion after these people were arrested? I don't recall what his response was, but the most obvious thing that defeats the whole defense is, is, is just a killer. And I, and I don't think Dan keeps realizing this. One, no one's going to believe Lewis and Sigfredo could do, pull this off. No one's going to believe they had the money or the where, wherewithal to do it. I mean, we know the first time they came up there and they shot the gun in the car, almost shot each other, right? And then secondly, after they did the crime uh, and they got arrested, why didn't they come forward? What prevented them, Donna or Charlie, from coming forward? They would have absolved themselves. They would have protected them. They would have been able to move on. They wouldn't have to talk in code anymore. No, that's not what happened because that defense had not been created yet. That was created later after Charlie was arrested. Coming from a defense attorney, Mrs. Jim Morrison, who's probably doing pretty well off the licensing of his image and his music, I imagine. Is Wendy really dating an officer? I've seen photos of him. He looks like a police officer. On the hot mic uh, the day after Charlie's arrest and Wendy does her nothing to do with the crime when he was at the kind of okay. um yeah i think uh you know my question to you jared what didn't i ask that i should have how about that for a question i i, I mean in the limited time that you had with him i think you got a lot of good questions uh in there i think there was a lot to pick apart i'm probably gonna have to go back and watch it again to see what i would have asked him uh, one other thing I, that you did ask him that I wanted to comment on was about uh, you brought up the Ben Graber stuff, uh, Dr. Graber, former state representative Graber. Uh, for full disclosure, uh, those of us, you know, I, I've talked about graduating high school with Charlie. I graduated high school with with Dr. Graber's daughter as well. She was in our class. Um, but Dan mentioned, you know, I would hope that if I were in some sort of trouble that my good friends would come to my defense as well. It's come out, the Gravers and the Adelsons hadn't talked for 20 years. So they're still to this day, and, and I can't figure it out. Um, I don't have a relationship with his daughter uh, other than, like I said, I graduated high school with her, but I haven't talked to her uh, in Lord knows how long. I don't know why someone who has not been friends with a family for 20 years would all of a sudden come to their defense. There is something there. I hope it comes out. I hope we find out because I am super intrigued by that for several reasons. One, again, graduating with with the daughter, but 
being in politics and knowing uh, who Ben Graber was when he was up here as a state representative. And uh, there's something there. I just want to know what it is. So I'm glad you asked that. We didn't get a a satisfying answer, but I found it very interesting how Dan said, I'd hope my friends would come to my defense. Well, yeah, I would hope my good friends would come to my defense. But someone I haven't talked to in 20 years, why are they coming out of the woodwork? Uh, when he said that too, I wanted to be like, I'd like my uh, parents and my sister to come to my defense. Yeah, I was absolutely know, on trial for murder. And also, yeah. them not coming to the trial, not being their choice. Well, it, it, it's definitely their choice. Mm-hmm. They had a conscious decision whether they could or couldn't. Maybe they were advised not to, but that doesn't make it not their choice. A hundred percent. He mentioned the fact that Wendy was a witness, so she had a, she couldn't be in the gallery. Well, that's, that's not, that that's I agree with. True. Yeah. After uh, she testified, she could after have she testified, she could have stayed. Yeah, the optics would have been bad, and I'm sure John would not have right. let her stay. But that was not true. She could have stayed after she testified. Teresa, yeah. you did not ask about the 5K TV. Um, I wanted to kind of get more current too. Not that I'm making excuses. Gloria here with an H. STS is my hobby. I love it here. Best coverage. Love to be part of the nation. Genius channel. Love Tim for that. You are now a friend of the show, Gloria. Uh, Tim, what did I not ask that I should have asked? Thank you. You know, I, I think, Joel, you did an outstanding job as a journalist with Rashbaum. I think you were fair. I think you called him on things that were clear. I think you you basically said his trial was a catastrophe, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Uh, he thought it was a great success. Um, but then he, he threw points out. You called him on him. And then you were very nice to him and said, yeah, I, I, but I thought you did a great job as a journalist. And anybody expects you not to do that interview, you know, you're a journalist first, right? You're not a lawyer. You're a journalist. And um, I thought you handled it well. I think you gave him an opportunity to speak. I think you called him on things when you needed to. And I think the questions were great. Thank you, Tim. Coming from you, that means quite a bit, actually. Jared Ross. Uh, He's now a master friend of the show, a best guest, of course. Uh, He is a high school acquaintance. He graduated with Charlie Adelson in 1985, a longtime friend of 95, 1995. Whoa. You said 85. No, I think I I just mumbled. 95, (laughs) 95, 95. A longtime friend of Danny and Wendy, two-time graduate of FSU undergrad and also the law school. Uh, also a Star Wars fanatic. Jared, has Wendy befriended you on Facebook yet? And your uh, your final thoughts? I, I just checked. Uh, no, she hasn't. Um, but final thoughts again is uh, I really appreciate being on here, uh, being able to provide a little bit of insight into what's going on uh, and just thoughts on on things. Um, again, keep the, the Markels in your thoughts uh, and in your prayers, uh, especially – you know, the young man who just had his bar mitzvah, I know there were a lot of comments on the internet about the, the bar mitzvah. Um, at the end of the day, as someone who has been through that process uh, a long time ago, but been through it, that is a rite of passage and something that uh, should be celebrated and remembered. Uh, I can tell you all about mine still, even though it's been over 30 years. Um, so kudos to, to him for reaching that milestone. I wish that his father, uh, could have been there. Uh, and I wish his whole family could have been there under better circumstances because this did not have to end how it did. 
They could have gotten divorced. They could have gone their separate ways. She could have raised the boys in Tallahassee uh, and they would have been loved and taken care of in a great community. And now they're dealing with this. And let me tell you, it's it's going to be uh, very difficult for them for the rest of their, you know, the rest of their days. So keep them in your thoughts and, and make sure that you, you know, you lift them up in any way that you can. Uh, I love that you always uh, say that. Asian American Legal Focus, our good friend, Judy Tsang, who's a best guest and an attorney. Can Jared share his last memory, his final memory of Dan Markell? Well, my final memory is waking up on that Saturday morning uh, to a Facebook post uh, from a, from a, a good friend, uh, you know, to Danny saying, I can't believe you're gone. And that's my last memory, you know, but my last memory of being with Danny Gosh, uh, it's been it's been over 10 years um, because it was at least six or seven months before uh, he passed. But he actually reached out to me. Uh, it would have been October of 2013. Uh, his birthday was October 9th. Mine's October 10th. Uh, and he just reached out to me uh, and always said, happy birthday, almost birthday twin. Um, you know, and that's kind of the guy he was and just a memory that uh, I always had. And every October 9th comes along and, you know, you get those Facebook notifications of whose birthday it is. And even though he doesn't show up anymore, he does have a memorial page on Facebook, but it doesn't show up as his birthday anymore. Uh, I always remember that October 9th, it's his birthday and just, you know, think about him and, and make sure, you know, to, to think a good thought about him. Uh, Nancy Moon Rush, honestly don't know if I can handle Dateline, spin tomorrow, mainstream media, that's why you got to be at SCS, is never for the actual truth. Dennis Murphy, who's the best guest, and I've become friends with the correspondent for Dateline, he's a stand-up guy, uh, He he's going to write that episode, uh, he's he's a journalist, journalist. Uh, I spoke at that Jaffco event with him, and uh, I have nothing but massive respect for Dennis Murphy, who I have to reach out to. Programming note, new. STS trial channel has Michelle, Michelle Traconis, the Michelle Traconis trial all day. Then Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, live Dateline. By the way, tomorrow, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's time for Great Scott to True Crime Phil with America's most respected detective, Phil Waters and Scott Duffy, formerly of the FBI. I'm doing that at 12.30. And as former law enforcement, they're going to analyze the Donna Adelson arrest video, and we're going to talk true crime stories of the week. But tomorrow night, uh, you see it here. Uh, for those who don't know, who've been living under a rock, uh, R. Timothy Jansen, famed Tallahassee defense attorney, a partner in the firm Jansen and Davis that bears his name. He spent five years as a federal prosecutor. Uh, Tim, your final thoughts on this momentous evening. Uh, it was an interesting time, an interesting day. Uh, we got a little light from Dan, what their defense was going to be. Uh, it's an equal defense between him and Alex. Uh, we know now that Donna's probably going to testify. And uh, it should be interesting to see how he keeps saying this is a completely different trial from Charlie's. It may be, but I think we're going to get the same verdict. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Same verdict uh, anticipated by Tim Jansen in the trial, which is yet to take place, of Donna Sue Adelson. She's in court Monday morning, 10-15. I don't know if she's in court, but you get the idea. There's a case hearing. Tim Jansen hopefully will hop on with us for analysis at the very least. It'll be just little old me, but hopefully uh, Tim will be there. And, and again, tomorrow, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 
uh, regular show. And then at nine o'clock, it is a watch party for YouTube and Patreon members. Until then, love you, America. Thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe. Help us get to 100K. That's a COE ask and not me. That's just a number. We want people watching. We're getting people watching. So thank you all. Love you, Tallahassee. Just just. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.